0: Welcome to the Listen for Life Podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Good morning.
1: Welcome, everyone. It's just a few days until the new year is upon us. Wow, where has the time gone? So for this episode, I'm calling it Understanding Backwards to Live Forward. And this is based on a quote that says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Isn't that interesting? I just came across this quote a few days ago as I was prepping for this episode, because originally my thought was, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, because isn't that what everybody does at this time of year? We are going to talk about reflection. But first, I want to bring on our guest, Gina, join us. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. So everyone, this is Gina Baxter. She just finished her internship with me at Life Speech Pathology. And it's very good timing. It's amazing how these things work out. It's an opportunity to learn from our strengths, experiences, positive and negative experiences, and to set meaningful goals so how do we reflect effectively well number one i would say just trying to sit for five minutes at a time you already know what my schedule normally looks like five minutes with my coffee i look outside i pick a chair and i look outside and i just let my mind think. I try not to judge it, I and I just let the, the thoughts flow. So reflection, much like having gratitude, but the idea behind it was powerful in that you take a minute out of your busy day and you reflect and you think what was good, what was bad, and you find something to be thankful for. So I would say the first thing about reflection is you have to find some time to do it. How about you? What do you think, Gina?
2: Yeah, it's the the tricky part is finding the time to just be still and really reflect to go through kind of bigger moments or more important moments and just go through it all.
1: Where do you see in your schedule that you
2: could find time to reflect? Two two times, there's two times. One is when I lay down, which is probably the worst time because you're trying to go to sleep. But that's that's my quiet time. My alone time is when the lights are off and where my head hits the pillow, I take about, I give myself five or 10 minutes to really think, review a few things, and then I have to cut it off because, and then sometimes it's hard cutting off your thought process. And then in the shower, I also reflect in the shower, which is- Oh, that's smart.
1: Yeah. I actually think that's a really good idea. So let's pivot to you, Gina. Let's talk a little bit about you and maybe a fun
2: fact. Well, yeah, I'm a non-traditional student. I have, I'm a little older. I have a couple of kids. I originally graduated from Texas A&M College Station with a BS in wildlife management and ecology. And I took the, I pursued a career as an animal trainer. Um, So I worked with marine animals, small animals, cats, birds, a lot of different types of, of animals, but kind of interesting fact about me, but being, you know, becoming an SLP is, it's kind of, it's my goal now, a good one. Yes.
1: So tell us a little bit about how did you come to be interested in being an SLP and what was that decision like? I, cause I can't imagine you already had your degree, you already had a career and then you pivoted into something in between there and starting grad school.
2: I'm really curious. What was that? Well, it was a combination of things. One, my, my mom had dementia and uh, my dad had a mild stroke. So my experiences taking care of them. And then also I didn't know speech and language pathologists even existed until my mother-in-law, she told me about the field, shared some inspiring stories. And just hearing how much of an impact we can have on so many people's lives just really hit home to me. And that is why I chose this field, her stories and wanting to make it a difference too. So what
1: talk us through? what was that discussion like with your husband when you're like, honey, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to school and it's a master's.
2: Luckily, he's incredibly supportive. I have, great husband. I always wanted to go back to school too. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And and he kind of knew that SLP just kind of came out of the blue almost, but yeah, he was all on board. That's amazing. Can you
1: share a memorable moment or a breakthrough that whether it was something you experienced personally or something with one of the clients?
2: There were definitely some Moments I will probably never forget. This one client, we were working on a story for him to share during Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, I asked how it went, and he said he was able to share the story, the whole story. And you know, it might not have been perfect exactly how we we practice it, but he got his point across. He communicated what he wanted to communicate. He told me that what we did helped. And that's meant, uh, that meant a lot to me.
1: It is all about the stories. Yeah, Let's talk a little bit about aphasia, because I'm, I'm pretty familiar with your graduate program. And much of the training that you go through, just for the audience that doesn't know, for the last two summers, I worked as a clinical supervisor during their intensive summer program and this is at UT Health San Antonio here in Texas. And that's how I met Gina. What did you think about aphasia like from the end of summer until now, now that you've gotten to work in this space for so many months?
2: It is incredibly complex because um, everyone is so different. Every person, even if you have similar deficits or similar difficulties, every person is so, so different. So every treatment option that you choose has to fit that individual's life, their deficits, what they're having difficulty with. It's, everyone is so unique and that, and I already knew that, but just seeing it and experiencing it is different. It it is, everyone is very unique and that's what makes it challenging, but also so interesting.
1: Talk a little bit about life participation and tell us what you think that was before you actually got to really work in that kind of a concept and how does it apply
2: in therapy? Before I really knew what it was, I was just thinking, oh, we just need to know take a treatment that will help them in their daily life but knowing more about it it's not just that it's finding out again their unique individual life goals but then also tailoring it to their personality their interest finding out what motivates them just tying it all in and making it personal and really building that relationship And the connection with the client. So you can figure all of that out. Right.
1: One thing I just love about the life participation, it's not just impairment based, which is how I was trained in school forever ago. You know, somebody has trouble with the meaning of words or word finding. So then you, find a treatment that addresses that, that applies for their kind of deficits. But I always found it challenging to get carry over. You know, we have to work so hard in speech pathology. It's not just what they do with you in the treatment session. It's can they carry over those same skills and strategies to the real world? Well, that's where I think life participation makes such a difference because if we work on the impairment in relation to what their goal is, I always use the example of garden club or book club, you know, somebody being able to express themselves. It makes the treatment so much more meaningful and impactful. The carryover, right? I think that's the other benefit of life participation. You get much better buy-in with the clients
2: and better carry-out. The session, we may have all this progress, but it's about what happens outside of therapy. Absolutely. So how would you
1: say the internship has shaped the clinician you are
2: now? Well, one thing that really stuck out to me is when you were telling me that you can circle back to treatments. So mm-hmm. one treatment right now might not work, but that doesn't mean it's not a good fit for the patient at a later time. And that, I, you know, it almost sounds like common sense, but that hadn't occurred to me, you know, because I am new and having that little nugget is I think very important for new Clinicians, because you might try treatment and it it doesn't work and you dismiss it. But in three months or a year, it might be perfect the perfect fit for the the client. So, knowing that kind of put a different perspective, gave me a a different perspective. Um, So, that's definitely going to shape the way I treat.
1: I think it's really important just to expand on what you were just saying. Let's say we did, I'm just going to pick VNest and we try it with a client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The audience, you don't need to know what it is, but the idea is it's a treatment protocol. There's lots of research to back it up, but you try it with a client and maybe it doesn't work, but you figure out why doesn't it work? What is missing? And then maybe you, you take a step back. And if you still feel like VNEST is the way to go to get them to that next communication level, by taking that step back, you work on some of those fundamental or foundational skills that would then get them ready to participate in the VNEST.
2: Just knowing, understanding the why, that is a a big thing that I pulled from my experience with you, understanding the why, why are we doing this? treatment? What are we focusing on? You know, understanding that is really important.
1: Sure is. And that our clients understand the why as best they can. It also, it goes with buy-in because it's not about, and you, you know, I do this all the time, but it's not about us therapizing. We are not the magician acting on someone. It's a team effort. It's collaborative. So the why in lots of different ways. So let's talk about telepractice, because since that's something I've been doing for 10 years, I always love to put my students on the spot. What did you understand about telepractice? What was hard? What was easy? What do you, in general, just give us your thoughts on
2: telepractice. Telepractice probably has not a bad rap, but you think certain things I thought telepractice, I was worried. I was a little concerned at first that I wouldn't be able to make good connections with the clients. And that personal relationship is, that relationship is important to me as a therapist, but also as a human being, you know, I want, it's going to make me be able to help them progress quicker. But also, that's what I love about that being, or I'm not an SLP yet, but that's what I love about this field is that connection. I was worried that being online would hinder that, and and because it would hinder that connection, it would hinder the progress. But I did not see that at all. I mean, I definitely felt myself leaning in more, you know, but to try to get close. But it didn't, I have wonderful relationships with uh, the, the clients and I didn't feel disconnected at all. So that was a wonderful experience for me. As far as the negatives, I'm not a tech person. So it did take me a little while to get used to the technology. But I think I did a decent job navigating Zoom and all of the other programs that we use. Yeah, yeah the,
1: I think the hardest part with telepractice, especially in the adult space. It's not just using Zoom. It's screen sharing and using Google Slides. It's screen sharing and pulling up a YouTube video and blocking off the under part of the video so you can do some annotation. Annotation, for those of you that don't know, is just write, it's like writing on a chalkboard. It's writing on the whiteboard. Um, you get to type things out. And That's where I think Zoom is so great for telepractice in the adult space because we can write things down. We can can make recordings. We can share those whiteboards with our clients, and that reinforces what we worked on in the session. It reminds them of what we worked on. We can put strategies on it, their word list, whatever the case may be, and then they have that added benefit content. I never had that when I did in-person therapy. There 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 isn't time. There isn't when I did in-person therapy, I didn't touch a computer. You know, and and if I had to handwrite out strategies, then they get to look at my handwriting, you know? I see somebody in their home for swallowing therapy and I give them, you know, their top 3 strategies to do. In telepractice, not that we're doing swallowing therapy in telepractice. It's all aphasia, folks we can write all we can type it up on the board and share it you did great gina you you rose to the challenge you overcame your fears your self-limiting beliefs about telepractice and you were able to do it all by the end of the internship you should you should feel proud that you know because not only did you learn to apply the science of what you've learned in your grad program? But you also learned the art and the application, the application being the Zoom and the telepractice part. You did great with that. What about take home lessons, skills,
2: other things, other reflections? Yeah, you know, Learning the subtle stress cues that each person shows was a skill, and everyone's so different. So, you know, coming in new, you have to just get to know them. It's just reading people and knowing how far you can push them to challenge them because you want to push them, but then you don't want to go over the line. And it's, you know, if you go over the line, what do you do? How do you kind of backtrack and and get get them back on track. Let's
1: define, I'm gonna let you define it, what is aphasia stress and
2: what are some different ways that can present? It can just be the frustration of not getting the words out, you know, or not getting your opinion out. But it's also frustration on, this has been happening so long. You know, they're having to deal with this every moment of every day and so it's a way of life and it's just it's hard you know it's that that part is so hard and so frustrating above frustrating and it can come out in facial expressions body movements tone that's right yeah there's lots of there's lots of body
1: cues and i Mm -hmm. think that telepractice gives us that opportunity to really stay focused on this part of people if you're when you're in person and you can relate with this because you did the intensive summer program when you're either next to someone or sitting across you're busy moving papers or your therapy materials and you're not always looking at the person but in telepractice You're right there. And I always talk about like the pressure cooker, you know, for those of you who've ever used a pressure cooker, right? The pressure starts building and you can see it in someone with aphasia. You see that pressure building. And so the art of what we do is recognizing it, acknowledging it and teaching the client to recognize when it's happening What's a strategy we can use, Gina, to help someone decrease that pressure?
2: Stopping treatment, you know, taking like, a breath.
1: Like shut off, like, see you later, Bob. We'll see you no, next no, no,
2: time. <laughs> no, 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 Just saying, okay, we're, we're gonna take a break from this activity. Mm-hmm. And I want you to take a breath. You know, Mm -hmm. relax your shoulders because a lot of times we do, we see the yes, shoulders carry the stress,
1: right? Um, You you see the shoulders lift, you see the eyes start getting a little wild and crazy on some people. We have to catch it well in advance of that. Okay, very good. Do you can for this segment, can you wrap us up, Gina, with what? message do you want to share with the Aphasia community? What what message do you want to share with the Aphasia community,
2: Gina? We as as a future SLP and all the other SLPs, we're here to to help you, to serve you. You're going to go through, as you know, in unbearable times. But those moments that are unbearable Those are really important to experience, unfortunately, because they give us vital information on what to focus on, what you are doing, what doesn't work, what does or could work. So those incredibly frustrating moments are the most beneficial sometimes because then we know what to focus on we know what to do in treatment and we can analyze it. So take notes of those times when you're experiencing, write down. If you can't write down, make a recording, tell your caregiver, explain as using as much details to your speech and language pathologist so we can better serve you.
1: That was, I didn't think you were going there. That was awesome. It is those difficult times, and that is actually my most favorite type of treatment to do with someone where we take one of those situations and we break it down and we come up with a path to move forward, which will lead us into next week's episode when we start talking about resolutions. Thank you, Gina, for your reflections, and it was absolutely an honor for me to have you join the practice this semester. You're you're going to be an amazing clinician.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed every minute.
1: Even all the torturous ones, because there's something to learn from. Okay, so we are going to wrap up. I have a poem about reflection, and I'm going to have to talk fast because we're going to have to move along. This is called Echoes of Reflection. In the quiet of reflection, a mirror to our soul. Words unspoken, feelings awoken in our journey stroll. Amidst the whispers of our thoughts lies the language of our heart. Communicating more than spoken, in silence we impart. Each reflection a connection, a bridge from me to you. In every pause, in every clause, a bond forever true. Through the looking glass of time, we see our echoes clear, the moments shared, the love declared, in every smile, every tear. So here's to words unvoiced yet heard, to silent dialogues that sing. In reflection, we find direction and connection in everything." So that's my poem, Echoes of Reflection. And with that, we are going to wrap up our last episode of 2023. I can't believe it, Gina. This is episode number 73. That is what I reflect on that despite how chaotic and busy and all of the work that is necessary to run a private practice and connect with the clients for 73 consistent weeks, I have gotten out a podcast. And for, yeah, pat my own self, pat my own self on the back. So everyone, thank you for joining me and and Gina. And for those of you who got to work with Gina, I hope you learned some new things from her. Thank you for helping shape her into the clinician that she is. She's going to be amazing. And I want to wish each of you a reflective, joyful, and happy, happy transition is the word I want, transition into 2024. Happy New Year, everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Wishing you a fabulous week.